is a sports talk radio program should it at any time resemble a reliable knowledgeable fact-based common sense program well that's purely by accident this is the press box every squirrel finds a nut every now and then something like there's a line out there that seems appropriate mike grace inside the Breakline Optic Studios welcoming you into this Thursday edition of the Press Box, episode number 399, the fourth of week number 80. Great to have you with us as we roll through this Thursday edition. Mike Moat joins us, part of the USM Golden Eagle Sports Network, helping us out here as we roll into our final segment of the day. And we get to welcome one of our favorites, Matt Brown, publisher of Extra Points, part of the D1 Ticker content family. If you're not following this guy on Twitter and subscribing to his content, you're missing out on some really cool stuff. It's Matt Brown EP on Twitter, at Matt Brown EP and find his work online, Extra Points MB, as in Matt Brown, extrapointsmb.com. Matt, great to have you with us, man. These guys cover the uh, -the off-the-field forces that shape college sports, and right now that force seems to be uh, Tommy Tuberville, the former Auburn coach, now a senator, who uh, apparently is going to take NIL on and fix it. So we can all rest rest easy now, right? Yeah, Yeah, if only it was that easy, he's going to make a couple of phone calls, call his coaching buddies, and and all of this this confusion will be wrapped up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except probably not. Right, yeah. Uh, The idea is good, and somebody does need to do something about it. But I just don't know if the junior senator from Alabama who's been in office for a year, maybe two tops, I mean, is this the guy to, to really head this up? It's been interesting because there's been, a you know, eight other federal NIL bills proposed out of the U.S. Senate. There's been a half dozen other hearings and there's been a lot of lawmakers that have been heavily involved in this process. And Tuberville has not been one of those lawmakers. He has not been, uh, you know, one, one of the leading Republicans that has been trying to to shape this policy. He's not on any of the relevant committees. He's been mostly disengaged. What his what his office has put out now and this uh, this new effort here with him and Senator Manchin out of West Virginia is also notable in that it has no detailed policy proposals whatsoever. There's there's uh, doesn't say anything about antitrust, doesn't say anything about about athlete health care. All it says is we're going to uh, reach out to informed constituents and ask their opinion. And like uh, normally, hey, listen, that's great. Uh, I, I definitely believe that people who are in the college sports industry know more about college sports than members of the U.S. Senate. But after you've already had six of these hearings, what else are you waiting for? It's not like Greg Sankey hasn't been to D.C. to talk before. Uh, Matt, and that's the thing that gets me. And I'm not I don't want to make this a political issue and I don't yeah. want to talk about politics, but I don't like the idea of senators Congress people getting involved in amateur sports. They don't do anything very efficiently at the federal level, including making a decision in a timely fashion. That's not something that's why we had six hearings with nothing to show for it. So my question is, why doesn't college sports put their heads together, put yourself in a room? Now's not the time because we're about to start college football. But this is a college football problem. This is not necessarily the other sports. It's going to reach to the other sports eventually if we don't do something about it. But the movers and shakers of college athletics need to, you know, stop talking to the media and start talking to one another and say, we need to save our games. Because I think in the long term, it's going to hurt the sport as we know it. And it's going to have a negative impact on the quality and the product itself. Well, respectfully, I would say I, I would hope that they keep talking to me. If, if you're okay not talking to anyone. Oh, fine. Well, you're not a senator, are you? Last no, no, I, no, no. Not. Thank, okay. Thankfully yeah. not. Um, you are not alone in this. And, and I, I don't mind saying here, too, and uh, as the, 
as somebody who's watched a lot of congressional and state level hearings about NIL, not just in the South, but nationally and in the Midwest and in the Northeast, um, that will make a libertarian, I think, out of anybody when you realize that how little um, Democrats or Republicans, the folks that are doing these uh, these hearings, really know about how college sports works. The challenge here is twofold. One, alluding to your earlier point, a lot of the people that are running college football right now, conference commissioners, high-level athletic directors, major vendors outside the space, do not like each other right now. They do not trust each other. And if you do not have that element of trust, it becomes very difficult to get them to work together on issues that they agree on, like expanding the college football playoff. So finding consensus on issues where they don't agree, like NIL, uh, is, is a major challenge. The other issue right now is is a legal one. You've heard George Klyakov, the, the head of the Pac-12, say this a couple of days ago. Greg Sankey has, has said this. Many athletic directors in the SEC have said this, that, you know, um, one, one of the, 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 the big challenges here is that every state law for NIL is a little bit different. And if all 10 FBS conferences got together and said, OK, here are the rules that we're going to enforce. You're not able to do X, Y or Z or you're going to have penalties. You're going to get sued. Um, You're going to get sued on antitrust grounds. And after the Alston case, there's a a good reason to think that the NCAA would lose. That's why they're asking the federal government to help protect them from those lawsuits. But that's simply not a major priority for, you know, 98 out of the 100 senators right now. Matt, looking ahead, where do you think uh, this goes with NIL? It's almost too little too late. We should have been talking about regulating NIL last year before it started now it's out. It's been out over a year. How do you regulate something that's just gotten off to this kind of start? I'm not going to say it's out of hand, but it's getting close, right? Yeah, I. It's it's tough because I think a lot of the kind of regulations that schools would like the ability to say prevent registered boosters from being involved or prevent negotiation of deals from happening before an athlete enrolls in college. Uh, these are the kind of things that are either mostly unenforceable or unlikely to stand up to legal challenge. And and certainly it's been difficult to to enforce recruiting rules generally. We've been having this problem since Yale was uh, dropping bags in 1902. We we, we had amateurism rules and folks weren't able to stop them then. If I was advising a lawmaker, a Democrat or Republican anywhere in the country, I think one relatively common sense regulation that I think would honestly help impact this marketplace for the better would be to uh, to have stricter rules about who can be a licensed agent for college athletics in that particular sport. If you want to be an agent and represent a professional football player, you need to be certified by the NFLPA. Mm-hmm. You yep. almost certainly need to have gone to law school. You probably have a graduate degree. You have professional experience. If you want to be an agent representing a college football player right now, you need absolutely nothing. I've talked to I've done some of these deals to promote extra points. And I've been shocked that sometimes the guy on the other end of the phone is 20 and they're representing somebody in their dorm. Yeah. You have yeah, a lot of yeah. people that have no legal marketing professional experience either. And that is pushing kids into the transfer portal when it's not in their long term best interest. And it is taking money out of the pockets of, of young high schoolers and, and college athletes. And that is a. As something a little bit bigger than college athletics. I'm not optimistic that, you know, the Alabama State House or the federal government can fix that, but that would be something in their purview. He is Matt Brownigan, publisher of Extra Points, part of the D1 Ticker content family. Find him online, Extra Points MB, as in Matt Brown, extrapointsmb.com. Also host of the Going for Two podcast. We know this, uh, all this happened on Mark Emmert's watch. 
uh, executive director of the NCAA. We know he's on the job until June 30th, 2023, or until a new president is elected. If the right person is put in that position, Mark uh, or Matt, can they fix this problem? Can, 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 can the NCAA fix it if the right person is leading it? Boy, that, that's that's a great question. And I, I think first we have to think about, like, what even is the right person at this point? Because this is a hard job. It's yeah. a hard job. Yeah. yeah. You, you're reporting to university presidents, and there are 300 plus of those just in the Division One level. And those schools are extremely different. Not just the difference between UAB and Alabama, but the difference between UAB and Northern Alabama is is, is pretty massive. Uh, state schools, private schools, ecclesiastical schools, uh, highly selective schools. And I don't know if a lot of the folks that would, that you on paper would, would be, would do a good job for this kind of role, want the gig. It pays pretty well. It doesn't have a whole lot of power and you're going to get blamed for a whole lot of things. Um, there's certainly somebody more more effective than Mark Emmert is out there. Like the dirty little secret is athletic directors, coaches, conference commissioners, and lawmakers all could not stand this guy. Yeah. He yeah. he was he he was he was tight with a couple of university presidents, you know, kind of like Larry Scott, the old Pac-12 commissioner, just now with way more power. Um I can see lots of, of incremental improvements that can be made, but in terms of like trying to figure out NIL regulation. I don't know. If I knew the answer to that, my newsletter would cost more than eight bucks. Well, we're seeing more and more uh, former attorneys become college administrators, become college commissioners. Uh, That was the case for Mike Slive when he took over the SEC years ago. It's the case for Greg Sankey, who leads the Southeastern Conference today. Uh, We've heard names floated out there like Condoleezza Rice and others. If the right person to lead this is out there they are probably from the the legal system somehow they've got a background in law they've got a background in in maybe uh contract relations or something along those lines because basically what we've got here is a labor issue that is uh, that's a a major part of it and we see this with with uh, professional sports commissioners those are almost exclusively attorneys and have been here for a while you've also seen some commissioners be uh you know brought in that have a marketing or sales background and you see this even at the athletic director level, the, the, the kind of joke that we've I've heard a lot in this industry over the last couple of years is when you're bringing somebody in now, that person either needs to make the money or touch the money, which means you're bringing in a lot of either people with a finance background or a legal background, as opposed to coaches who you used to have a, a much stronger pipeline to being athletic directors, or maybe people that came from student support services or SIDs. We have a couple of former sports, uh, you know, sports information folks that are leading departments right now. There's a, a couple of people already in the industry right now that I think would be effective heads of the NCAA. I think Val Ackerman, who is the uh, the commissioner of the Big East Conference, spent a lot of time with USA Basketball, spent time with the WNBA. I think she would do a very good job, but I could be, could be completely understanding if she decided, I don't want this right yeah, now. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a big undertaking. Whoever does take it has to really want this job because it's going to be huge. Unquestionably. You have to to really want this job and you have to understand that you're going to get blamed for things that a lot of them are not your fault, right? Because you are kind of painted into a legal corner based on the actions of your predecessor. I, I don't think we can really overstate how big of a mistake it was for the NCAA to spend millions of dollars appealing the Alston decision and taking that to the Supreme Court. Because that was a, what the district court said was really relatively narrow in scope. And what they ended up doing was now providing a pathway to nuke what's left of amateurism as we know it. 
it's hard to lose nine nothing to this Supreme Court the way that they did. Mm. And that unquestionably makes things harder for college administrators right now. Might be good for athletes. Not good for the suits. <laughs> well, I'll tell you something that's going to be good for fans, Matt, and that is something is coming up with TV rights and renewals and yeah. maybe changing. And we've been talking about this this morning. The Big Ten is coming up for renewal for, and there's a lot of stuff out there as far as uh, what's going to be involved, what networks are going to be involved. But the package is really good in terms of money. We're talking $1.2, $1.3 billion being talked about I don't know how that's all going to work, but where do you see that going? And that's going to have a domino effect on a lot of things as far as what we see for TV deals moving forward as far as sports business goes. It's going to absolutely reset the market. If you are somebody who is a fan of a Pac-12 or a Big 12 institution, you are watching this very closely because this will help determine what companies are going to be most interested in your rights when they come up next. You know, and the Pac-12 is already beginning those conversations there right now. Um, I have heard top line numbers of, of more than 1.2, which will mean that Big 12, Big 10 institutions, including USC and UCLA, will be looking at bringing in over $100 million just from television per school per year. Which is a little bit funny when you think that that includes like Rutgers yeah. um, and, and some of the, the bottom end of the Big 10. On one hand, though, and I, I say this to the fans every chance I get, you don't get a dividend check from the Big Ten making a ton of extra money. The Big Ten signed a record-breaking television deal last time and didn't start any new sports. It's not like anybody took that new TV money and started hockey teams. Um, in fact, uh, Big Ten programs cut sports over the last couple of years, particularly after COVID. It hasn't helped them win national championships either, right? Ohio State has been the only college football team in the Big Ten that's done anything extremely notable nationally in the last 15 years, notwithstanding uh, Michigan getting embarrassed by Georgia in the playoff last year. Uh, men's basketball hasn't won a national title since, I think, 2002. Uh, college baseball has been an embarrassment, mostly outside of one Michigan season. So they've got lots of money. And they've used that to, to help with a couple other sports. But there's a diminishing returns point on the field um, where eventually you're going to have to uh, uh, develop talent. You're going to have to actually execute. And you can't paper over that with a bunch of new GAs or gold plating facilities or anything. So this is great news for administrators. It's great news for coaches. It's great news for anybody that's going to be hitting the, the high-end market in the next year or two. Is it great news for consumers? Probably not, because they're going to put some of this Big Ten stuff on Amazon or on Apple, and you're going to have to go buy another thing. Is it great <laughs> news for anybody else? We'll see. Yeah. I don't think it's going to make Wisconsin much better at football next year. Only a couple of minutes left with Matt Brown, publisher of Extra Points. Find his work online, extrapointsmb.com. All this NIL stuff started when a former college student athlete uh, saw himself on a video game and said, hey, that's me. Why aren't I getting compensated for that? Uh, do we understand now EA Sports is going to have a new college football game in the near future? That's that's right. There will be a game that is scheduled to come out next summer, July of 2023, that will be called EA Sports College Football. Uh, I've done a lot of reporting on this, uh, picked up some uh, records via open records requests. Uh, what I've been told from professionals in the licensing world is that they expect current college athletes to be in this game and compensated for them becomes a little bit tricky because there's not a college football players union to sign a collective uh, group license with. Right. So a lot yeah. of these entities are, are kind of breaking this down school by school or individual by individual. But the mechanism for figuring that out is supposed to be released well before the game starts. And I think you should expect most of your favorite college football players to be in that game. 
crazy Can stuff. I ask you this question? And, sure. and this was brought up in hour number one, and we were talking to a former player who said, and Nick Saban had this to say, or and I'm not quoting what he said, I'm paraphrasing. It's a problem for him when you have players who are offensive linemen on your current team not getting any paying or not getting any money from NIL deals, but yet you got a high school sophomore and junior making $850,000. That's where the biggest problem is. Where do you see the biggest disconnect? And what is the thing? We've talked about it. We've bounced around it. What do you think the major issue has to be fixed right away in order to save the college football game if it's indeed going south? I, I'm not Well, I'm not maybe quite as, as pessimistic about the, the nature of college football. I feel like we've been writing about college football is in crisis, again, for about 150 years. Sometimes that's been true. Sometimes it's not. But with that, that that dynamic you're talking about is the number one thing that I've heard from coaches. It isn't that only a handful of coaches, I think, really are against the idea of their athletes getting any money. I don't think Nick Saban feels threatened in any way by Bryce Young being rich, yeah. uh, you know, and taking advantage of of of, of his uh, his you know beloved stature in in the state. The, the, the concern is exactly that when you have people who have not done any kind of production, but hit the market at a certain time, making way more money than critically important athletes that have already established themselves as leaders on that team. And that's part of the, Part of that is because in many places, not necessarily Alabama, but in, in many markets, the NIL collectives have been most aggressive in trying to bring in new recruits rather than trying to retain or reward the athletes mm-hmm. that are currently there. Mm-hmm. You also have, again, not, not in Alabama, but in a handful of other places, the head of these collectives are not working hand in glove with the AD and the football coach. What you essentially have is a shadow GM yeah, that's yeah. kind of trying to make different roster decisions. And friends, if you're a college football fan, I think we can all think of a couple places where you got a lot of money, a lot of tradition, <laughs> a lot of advantages, and they haven't been able to do anything because their boosters and their uh, administration and their players all can't get on the same page. We might call it the Texas principle uh-huh. or yeah. <laughs> the Tennessee principle yeah. or Auburn most of the time. Right. Yeah. And if you, I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out these places that have been dysfunctional. Now you just suddenly, you know, added an extra decimal point to the money that's being involved there. They're still going to be dysfunctional. <laughs> like this is the, the money. Money can't fix that. If you can't get the people writing the checks on the same page. Well, in this day and age, if you're not getting your college athletics news from extra points, you're not getting all the college athletic news that's out there. Again, Matt Brown covering the off the field forces that shape college sports from business to politics to higher education. You can find him again online, extra points, the host of the going for two podcast. Find it wherever you find your favorite podcast and then on twitter it's at matt brown ep so enjoy uh every time you spend with us sir and uh thanks a bunch enjoy the season what we're just three weeks away so it's uh, going I, yeah. I can't i can't wait i made my living talking about off the field stuff but it is so refreshing to have a chance to actually talk ball indeed uh, with a couple of people gentlemen thanks for having me on here I look forward to chatting with you again soon matt thanks yeah, so much you bet again matt brown publisher of extra points mike moat that was fun man will you enjoy yep. our thursday and uh, best news is we get a friday to do it again tomorrow the jd byers will be back with us uh we're gonna talk um oh gosh who was it uh, oh i know we're talking to the uh, head coach of the Lions of North Alabama, Chris Willis, who's going to join us tomorrow. So for our friends in the Shoals, be ready. We'll talk a little UNA football, which is just around the corner. They're getting a, uh, upgrades to their locker room that uh, they're pretty fired up about. So we'll see how Chris Willis and the Lions can do in the upcoming season. Mike, until then, enjoy your Thursday, my friend. Yes, and sir. We'll see you for episode number 400 of the Press Box. It comes your way tomorrow on great stations around the state and online at PressBoxRadio.com. 
Want to talk to the guys? Hit them up at the contact page online at PressBoxRadio.com or find them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at PressBoxRadio1. That's PressBoxRadio and the number one. That's how you can earn access to the PressBox. Box.